We're your hosts. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Kelsey. Florida natives for two decades. And true crime fanatics. Welcome Welcome to the chaos of of sunshine and shadows. The Sunshine State earned her nickname in 1970, boasting over 800 miles of beaches and 1,500 miles of intercoastal waterways, 11 national parks, and over 8 of the top amusement parks. Florida is the perfect vacation spot to unwind, relax, and vacation with family and friends. Or is it? Florida has 67 counties, totaling a little over 40 million acres of land broken up into six different regions, filled with swamps, farms, and many rural cities. On this podcast, we will take a look at the counties and their dark, seedy underbellies of crime and mystery, reminding everyone that you can't have sunshine without the shadows. On this season of Sunshine and Shadows, we will be focusing on the Sunshine State's infamous Northeast Florida region. These 20 mostly rural farm counties do bring forth several universities and state colleges and larger metropolitan areas. During this season, we will be examining these counties, exposing their dark, shadowy secrets in the pursuit of advocating for families and giving a voice to the voiceless. Join us on this journey to learn more about our home state on this season of Sunshine and Shadows. Hello, Gremlins. Hey humans. Um, so it's been a few weeks. Uh, we're just giving them a vacation. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We're getting in the groove. We're finding our groove. Also trying to balance real life and stay disciplined. Yeah. And my grandpa died. So you can't be mad at us. <laughs> yeah. And I work in HR. So we're doing benefits enrollment. So I'm kind of busy. <laughs> I kind of have to be an adult too. Um, so we're just going to get right into the case. We're in the same County. We're still in St. John's. We're actually in the same city as well. (gasps) Oh, so it's a, yeah, it's a St. Augustine case. Um, and I would like to go on record and say this is St. Augustine is the second oldest city in the United States. And I'll move (laughs) on past that. So there's, what city did you go to college in? I went to college in Pensacola, the oldest city in the United States. Thank you. So that's why you have a bone to pick with St. Augustine. I do. Um, But so I kind of wanted to try something else as well before we get into the case. So I have three things to talk about before we get into the case. Um, I thought it'd be interesting. Uh, If you guys don't like it, we can like knock it off. But I wanted to talk about like some true crime news that like maybe is not like a case we're discussing. Um, But like it's like kind of interesting. Um, headlines exactly yeah we're gonna have to make a little sound effect there we probably could find that so the first one i want to talk about is the debbie collier case have you heard about that one yet the name sounds so familiar i really think i have debbie collier no i'm drawing a blank i know i've heard the name yeah so it's a rather recent one so what happened was is on september 10th was the last time anybody heard from her and she texted her daughter and basically said transferring you like all my funds something super cryptic and super weird the old lady yes yes yeah and then a few weeks later um they found her body like 60 miles from her house in a ravine and her torso and legs were charred like burnt yes 
But like not like you can't get charred from like sunburn or something. Like if she'd have been out in the elements. Yeah, no. And it's a wooded ravine. I feel like that's very specific oh, to this. Okay. So no, yeah. Um, so charred, but just her torso and legs. And her kids have said that the cops are not taking it very seriously. Her son went on a few days ago to basically say that the cops have like scuffed at them whenever they've called to ask about their mother's case. And the reason I'm bringing it up, the true crime news to this, because this did happen in September, um, is recently the county sheriff's office is their recent claim is that, well, it might not have been a homicide. It could have been a suicide. Yes. I, you know, I have a terrible memory. I don't think I've ever heard of someone burning, like committing (laughs) suicide by like burning themselves. Yep, just but just from like my torso down, not not my face. So there's that. Um, and the son has also gone out to kind of do like an all call to social media, basically saying like calling out the true crime sleuths who always want to say the family did it to stop accusing the family of doing it. They did not do this. And it's wearing on them to have the constant accusation that his sister did something. Because again, the sister is the one who got the random text saying I'm transferring you money. Yeah, but um, as a, a first daughter, when my mom tells me she's sending me money, I don't really question it. Me either. Um, so the next one, <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna flip these two because my last one I'm super excited about. Well, depending on where it goes. Um, so the next one I'm gonna tell you about is Brittany Drexel. Um, so for people who do not know, 2009, she went to Myrtle Beach for spring break. She did not tell her parents she was going. By the way, she had actually asked her parents to go, and they told her no. But she wanted to go, so she snuck out and still went. Um, And then essentially the last time she was seen on camera was 8.45 p.m. And then nobody has seen her for since 2009. Um, At the beginning of 2022, so about May-ish, one of the suspects who was first identified in 2012 came forward and confessed to the crime and told them where they could find her body. Did they find it? Mm-hmm. They found <gasps> her remains exactly where he said they would be at in a four-foot grave. Um, and October 19th, 2022, he pled guilty on all charges of murdering her. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's insane. Uh, but it's also it's kind of interesting. He just came forward on his own volition. Apparently, he went to the police at May or so. Um, and basically, it was like, I lied to you about being involved in this. Oh, she he, was haunting him. <laughs> yeah. And he was 60 years old at the time that he went and admitted to police. So that would have made him like late 40s whenever he murdered her. And he Does he have like a previous like criminal history? I did not dig deep into him. Um, I don't think he did. He was a suspect. I, I have to look more into it, but it was just kind of interesting. And then the final one, and this one super interesting um so depending on when we drop this it should be dropping on monday which is tomorrow for caitlin and i um but so for the delphi case the (gasps) indiana state police announced they're doing a press conference monday to discuss abby and libby's case and allegedly there was a suspect arrested and booked on noon friday and that is when isp sent out the notification that they're doing a press conference on monday so if the Zoom works out, we're definitely going to have to Zoom and, like, go over that because, like, that case was crazy. I remember that. That was 
insane because then they had like they had that video footage and then they could never figure it out mm-hmm. Ooh. yep so that was my kind of exciting news um we're all the true crime community fingers crossed hoping that on monday they come and tell us that they have arrested the man who did this to them um that would be great news because you know when you finally get towards the process of getting them the justice they deserve i absolutely i feel like this decade um you know, there's that really popular podcast that has like the season of justice. I really feel like this is the season of reckoning. We're seeing like a lot of cold cases and DNA stuff just coming up. So like, um, this is the season of reckoning is what I'm calling it. <laughs> Speaking of cold cases. Uh, <gasps> so the case I'm going to tell you about is set in 1974. I did a cold case too. <laughs> really? <laughs> How exciting. So I'm going to, we're going to get into the case of, um, I'm going to trip over her name, and I know I am. Atelia. So it's A-T-H-A-L-I-A. So I would say Atelia. Maybe it's Athelia, but I'm going to say Atelia. Beautiful name, by the way. Really pretty name. I considered it adding to, like, my list of, like, children names. Okay. So let me set the scene. It's 1974. Watergate just broke into the press, by the way. So that's that's where we're at. <laughs> Watergate feels like so long ago, but it's really not. That was like 50 years ago. That was long ago. 74 is 40, almost about to be 49 years ago. Yeah, so it's our parents' age. They're not old. They're our parents' age. <laughs> I don't know. I think my, I think my parents got old, but... Um, <laughs> So anyways, Watergate just broke into the press and was actively involving. So Nixon was still president at this time, by the way. Um, specifically for Florida in this area, Flagler College was in the process of trying to receive state accreditation to be oh. a real institution. What? Yep. Um, gas cost about 53 cents. A loaf of bread was 25 cents. Jelly. And you want to guess what the most popular car of 1974 was? I feel like an Oldsmobile. Nope, a Ford Pinto. <laughs> they don't like even the make those. Che- yes. Like the cheese? <gasps> yeah, but you don't know what a Pinto is? Is it? Is it that it's- weird hatchback looking thing? Yeah, so Ford made a Pinto after the popularity of the Volkswagen Beetle. So the Pinto was supposed to be Ford's comparison to the bug. But, you know, we still have bugs nowadays. We don't have Pintos. Um, and the weather, I pulled some weather indexes, um, was around 80 during the day. This is January in Florida, um, 80 during the day and evening was about 60s. So very typical Florida winter. So let's get into the story of the life and tragic end of Atina Ponzo Lindsley. So she was born in Toledo, Ohio on July 25th, 1917 to a very wealthy family. Um, and since I could find her exact birthplace and location, I'm going to give you a basic rundown of her charts, excluding her rising because I don't have her time of birth. Um, so she had a stellium. And so for those who don't know, do not know, a stellium is a sign that has three placements. So her sun, Mercury and Venus were all on Leo. Her moon was in Libra and her Mars was in Gemini. So Sis was a force to be reckoned with. Yes, and very destined to be well known. Um, 
I mean, as I have in here, I said I literally said based off her big five alone, you can tell she was destined to be known for something great. Her Jupiter was also in Leo. And so not for me to be a little bit weird, but so her four signs she has in Leo was the four signs I have in Capricorn. And then I have the fifth in Capricorn as well, too, but that's irrelevant. Um, so around the age of nine, her family relocated to the Isle of the Pines, which was an island that was possessed by Cuba, located in the Caribbean Sea. So they went from Cleveland, you said Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. To Cuba? Yeah, they got money, Caitlin. And then eventually they moved to Jacksonville at some point, but it's not super clear. Like, if you look at some places, it said that her family moved from Ohio to Jacksonville. But if you look at Amelia Island, to be specific, um, but if you look at other places, it says they moved to the Isle of Pines. So I'm going to go more at the Isle of Pines, but they eventually did relocate to Jacksonville. Which is the bougie, like, Amelia Island is bougie. Mm-hmm. Um, so Makes about, sense now. I'm with yeah. <laughs> so at about 18, she actually moved to New York. Um, she spent the first or spent about 20 years in New York. So while she was in New York, she was a model for Powers Model Group. She was a Broadway line dancer and a leading actress, as well as um, she wrote a few books. And she was a featured host on the super popular um, radio game show called Winner Take All. So she did a lot. Um, I tried to look specifically into her most her most well known Broadway show, but I couldn't find much on it. It's called Viva O'Brien. Is all I could get was that it was a two part comedy, and the one that she was in was really popular because it was the first time ever they actually put a real pool on the stage. So they'd put a pool on the stage, and then during the scenes where they didn't need it, they'd take it off. So this is like the 40s. So this is like groundbreaking that they that they did this. Um, oh, wow. So I mentioned her family was wealthy. I would like to go on record and say they were elite wealthy. I never found out her maiden last name. Um, but you want to know one of the most interesting connections she has? If you say to a Rockefeller, I'm going to freak out. No, even crazier than that. Um, she dated JFK's older brother, Joseph <gasps> P. Kennedy, and there were rumors that they were engaged. However, he died in World War II, so they never got married. What? She was that uh-huh. kind of money? Yeah, she was engaged to a Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Jelly. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point in her life, there's not a specific timeline, uh, Atelia relocated to the city of St. Augustine. Um, in St. Augustine, she was a local realtor. Uh, at one point, she tried to run for a Republican senator. It did not happen. And then she tried to run for a seat on the state council as well. It did not happen. Um, she was ahead of her time. <laughs> yeah. She was a go-getter by all. And I mean, again, you could see it in like all the Leos she has in her chart. Like p- These positions... Would have been great for her. She actually did marry, um, his name is James or Jinx. His nickname is Jinx Lindsley. And he is the former mayor of St. Augustine. He did two terms as the mayor of St. Augustine. They got married during his second term. And then after that, he got a seat on the city commission board. She said, if you're not going to elect me, you're going to like my man. Yep. So she was often referred to, like, when you look at this case, uh, she's called the former, like, um, ex 
what do they call her? The ex-lady of the city. Because, you know, the mayor's wife is the lady of the city, and she's the former lady of the city. So they were married in September 1973. So the year my mother was born. Um, but they were newlyweds, but they lived in different houses. I'll blame them. So she lived on 124 Marine Street, located on the Matanzas River. Oh, she got a river house? Yeah, no, don't blame her. Well, he lived in the historic Lindsley family home on Anastasia Island. You, I wouldn't want to live where my mother-in-law's house was either. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I, I don't blame her. But before they got married, she lived in this house. So she's lived in this house for almost three years at this point. Because as I said, she was a realtor. So And, you know, she was very successful in New York. So girl had her own money. She just, you know, got to the position where she married somebody. So we're going to fast forward now to January 24th, 1974. So have they been married this whole time? Yeah, but they got married in September of 73. Okay. So like six months, not even. So assumingly, Atina had a very normal day. She was last seen by her husband at 5 p.m. Apparently, they'd spent all day shopping in Jacksonville together. You know, as rich people do. Um and then she left to go to her house for the evening. The last thing he said that their exchange was is he kissed her on the forehead and said, I'll see you in an hour. Um, so then she left. And they would like sleep over. <laughs> I don't know. I doesn't go into details about that. Oh. Um, so one thing I should say about her house before we get into it is this is like a historic old St. Augustine house. And so trivia, Caitlin, let's see if you know the answer. What do these old houses in St. Augustine look like? Specifically coloring. I want to say like it's like very Spanish. So it's very like coastal colors. Like when I think of most of the St. Augustine houses, I think of like the weird stucco thingy and like like that weird yellowy tans. Okay, that's close. Hers was like, she lived in one of the old white houses in St. Augustine. Uh, oh. Yeah. So she lived in a like all white house. So as I said, the last time she saw her husband was 5 p.m. Around 6 p.m. or so, specifically 6.10, a young boy across the street, um, he's 19, so he's not super young, um, described hearing the most horrific screaming he has ever heard in his entire life. So he ran out of his house, and across the street, he noticed the figure of a man with a long weapon hitting something. So when the boy ran out, the assailant noticed and ran away. So he went over, and he saw that it was Miss Lindsay on the ground, or Atelia, and he called the police. When the police got there, they were there at 612. So this is like a two-minute, like, the police were on in the 70s. I guess they didn't have nothing to do. White neighborhoods. Uh, that's why. <laughs> So she had been struck. So whenever they got there, they did confirm that it was Atelia Lindsay. And she had been struck an estimated nine times with what appeared to be a very long knife. At the time, they couldn't be specific as to what it was, but the like the strikes on her were very long. And most of the hits were to like her arms and hands. Like it cut off several of her fingers. But so to like think about it, she like covered her face from her assailant. Um Unfortunately, she was essentially decapitated. There was a sliver of tendons holding like her neck, her head to her neck, the smallest. 
So she was decapitated. Um, and her white house had blood spatter all the way up it. So to say that this was a very gruesome scene to come upon would be kind of an understatement. And I know some people um, would probably think, oh, well, she was robbed. Maybe something like that happened. The only thing taken from her house was her pet blue jay. And a its cage a bird. And its cage was smashed into pieces. The bird was never found, obviously, but the bird went missing. So why let the bird go? Yeah, I know. So that kind of quickly ruled out that this was not like a robbing. Yeah. This is not a robbery. This the robbery was not the intent behind this. The intent was to murder Atelia. So with the boy being an active witness, the police were quick to uh, be able to find their first and only suspect. Her Okay, so I will say her husband was a suspect for the shortest time, but it did not hold up. Um, Wait, but so, he said an hour, so he was late to see her? Yeah, I guess so. Well, okay. So some reports say 5 p.m., some reports say 5.30. So if he said, like, 5.30, I'll see you in an hour... That's 6.30. But also, not to be like, how many times has somebody said, I'll see you in an hour and actually showed up in an hour? You, because of your anxiety. <laughs> well, that, that's different. I'm a Capricorn. I'm going to be on time all the time. That's different. But most people, and also, if I'm going to see you in an hour, why wouldn't I go with you? I'm going to leave you for an hour and come back. What am I going to do? Yeah. Anyways, I digress. Um, to give you more details on the attack, when the teen boy the teen boy ran out, he saw a middle-aged man in a white shirt and black dress pants attacking Lindsley. And he allegedly turned and screamed to his mother and said, Mr. Stanford is attacking Miss Lindsay. And there was a trail of blood leading to the Stanford residence as he was Miss Lindsley's neighbor. So he lived at 126 Marine Street. So, Alan Stanford is our one and only suspect in this case. Because the blood literally leads to him. Mm-hmm. So, this is where I tell you the backstory of these two. To say they would ha- they had beef might have been the understatement of the century. Um, they often would, like, go and complain about each other to the county commissioner. <laughs> or, like... So the thing is, Alan Stanford was a local county engineer who worked for the city. So based on what I could read, I never figured out, like, all of their disagreements, but they had a lot. Like, they were known for their disagreements. They once had a disagreement over the amount of dogs Atelia was bringing home off the street. At one point, she apparently had six stray dogs. Aww. I know. And he complained. He's like, it's just too loud. And it was brought up at a county commissioner meeting. Where one of the county commissioners, not her husband, was like, um, this is like a neighborhood debacle, y'all. This is neighbors fighting. And where Atelia stated, you mentioned personal things. I am bringing up my life. He has threatened my life. Yeah. So, again, it's kind of like very tit for tat. Um, so, where the heat picks up, where it gets a little spicy little bit of spice sprinkled in is she would go and she would 
pull the permits that he would do. Because again, I said he's a county engineer. So he works for the her husband's the mayor. But she would go and pull them. And like some of the projects he was signing off as like the commissioning engineer. He is not able to do that because he was not like a recognized engineer by the state board. That's illegal. So when I tell you this is a tip or tat thing, and I think other stuff built up to this, but at this point, this is what she started doing. She's like, okay. Bet. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. I'll start pulling your information and started pulling. And that led to him almost losing his job. So this is all at a hilt. Like we're all, we're all building. Um, And basically again, this really could have cost him his job. His family is an old family from St. Augustine too. So this was huge. Um, And so that's just kind of like the backstory of them too. Shortly after Lindsley's death, a citizen made a call in about a weird discovery in a marsh in St. Augustine. Um, The cops went and they found a watch, a dress shirt, dress pants, all covered in blood, along with a machete. So when I said a long knife, there was a machete used to kill her. Which it is 2022, almost 2023. And to this day, if somebody came after me with a machete, I think that is so much scarier than somebody coming after me with a gun. I mean, we did have a whole katana in our house for a little bit. So. I, that's more That's more terrifying. It's like, I mean, I know it's, a, it's the 70s, so it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But it, like now, it's like a level of insanity. Like you have a, ni- a a very big knife. Yeah, and why would he just have a machete? I like, don't know. That seems sus. Well, based off the serial number on the watch, and it's the 70s, so the, the, the numbers and the clothing... Uh, the serial number in the watch directly linked to Alan Stanford Jr. And the clothing also was linked to his wife who bought them for him. Like, you know, it's 70s, so they can go back to the department store and be like, hey, here's the serial code. Who bought it? So he was promptly arrested. And when it was time for a trial, he said he wanted to stay in St. John's County. Because he said, my peers know me and will give me a fair trial. I believe in the people of this county. Um, He put up, he had a $20,000 bond, which he paid because the judge was like, well, he's not really a flight risk. But just to show you how much money his family had, $20,000 in the 70s. That's like a hundred grand now. So. There's not really a lot of clarification here. It kind of goes dead for a little bit. But then we start the trial. And so during the trial, Alan obviously pled not guilty. Even though, look, we can list the evidence. He had a trail of blood leading to his house. The watch was in his name. The clothing his wife bought. There was hairs there. This is the 70s, though. So it was just white hairs. And Alan had white hair. And so did this... Lindsley, and the machete had blood on it. That's all we got. So to say that maybe we went to trial a little bit too quickly, I'll leave it to how you want to, whatever. So again, they 
Allen pleaded not guilty, and his defense team went right to work to paint Atelia as someone who had many enemies in the city. They described her as very high-strung with a tint, uh, a touch of derangement, and was prone to flights of fancy. If that is not the flights of, you know, people call me crazy in my day, but I feel like if somebody said I was prone to flights of fancy, those are frightening words. Oh yeah. And Mr. Allen was a long-term member member of the local Episcopal Church. How could he do something like that? Mr. Stanford himself alleged that in the almost three years she's lived in that house, they've even they've barely even spoken to each other. I think the county commissioner would say different, but what do I know? Yeah. Are we getting any reports like from the county commission? People being like, yo, we were at that meeting, we saw that. No. Oh. So he actually had an alibi. He was in his office studying for the state engineering exam until 8 p.m. And he has five to seven people who could back up those claims. And they did. They got on. How are you studying with five to seven people? Well, I guess it was at his like engineering firm. So, like, it was his like workers and his wife and his parents conflict of interest i think so but also i'd like to say he was studying for the state engineering exam how peculiar the one thing atelia accused you of you're studying for i digress um so this was a very weird trial, honestly. It was back in the 70s, though, so you know how trials worked in the 70s. <laughs> his parents even took the stand at one point uh, to talk about his character and how good he was. And when they asked about the evidence that linked to him, you know, the blood stain leading up to his front step, um, well, leading up to his house, not really his front step, up to his house, along with the the watch and the clothes, his parents suggested that when they first saw the blood they did search his house so he was a suspect from like right off the get-go i mean obviously i'm not a police officer but if i went to a murder crime and the blood trail kind of stops at your front steps i might look in your house you might not have done anything but anyways so his house was searched they claimed that the cops took the evidence and then planted it in the marsh so this marsh the thing about the marsh it's a Florida is, marsh. <laughs> it's a Florida marsh for one. But it's not like really like a marsh, kind of. It's like the marsh slash the city dump. What? Yeah. So like marsh, but like city dump. This is the 70s. You got to think their environmental protection agency was not really a thing. So people just kind of did what they wanted to do anyways. So city slash marsh. So they... It was painted... Very heavily, and a lot of critics do think that a lot of this evidence was purposefully like placed to link Alan. And I will say, to speak maybe a little bit frankly, and to maybe, like, because police plant evidence all the time. <laughs> I'm not saying I believe that he's innocent. I'm not saying I believe that he's guilty. But also, the blood, like, stopping in front of his house 
suspicious. That is suspicious. But like, it's like whenever you get wet, right? Like for the first like six, seven, maybe 10 feet, if you walk around without drying yourself fully, like it drops to a certain point. But at a certain point, the droplets get a lot smaller. So what's to say the person who did it didn't just keep walking, but the amount of blood had already fallen off? Oh, like it and, stopped depositing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it never is specifically stated if it goes up the steps into his house. It just said it stops in front of his house. But again, if it went up the steps, don't you think there'd be blood on the door too? And they never mentioned blood on the door. So I'm just saying... There's a lot of loopholes here. I think the prosecution may have rushed into a case that they were not ready for and they did not have the proper evidence to back up. In saying that, so the trial did not take very long, but it's the 70s, so trials often didn't last that long anyways. And then the jury went off to deliberate. Do hmm. you want to give me a guess on how long they thought about it? I am 30 minutes. Okay, well, I'd give them long. They Two and a half hours. So they had one meal. <laughs> Disney, the money didn't buy a Disney Fast Pass for the yeah. trial, I see. Um, and then they discussed the case for about two hours. And then after that, they came back with a verdict. Uh, Mr. Allen Stanford Jr. was not guilty of the crime and would be acquitted of all charges brought against him. And the case was officially closed and Atelia's murder remains unsolved. Now... It's been almost 50 years since she was attacked in broad daylight, by the way, because I feel like a lot of people are not factoring in. This was like 6 p.m., so the sun is out. So to think that only one person saw it is a little wild. So anyways, DNA is a thing, right? Yeah. We have DNA, and I said there was blood on the clothing, there was blood on the machete and the hairs. And there have been a lot of cases that have been solved that are decades old because of DNA. I mean, it raises the possibility is could Atelia's case be solved as well? Um, and this is where I really hate to be the bearer of bad news. But they did try. And so they requested the evidence from the trial. And either the evidence has been destroyed or it's been lost. So there is no more evidence for this case. Oh, Magically, surprising. it's gone. How very St. John's like that they all of a sudden lost evidence. So, with everyone who was involved in this case, except for the 19 year old boy who witnessed it, is now passed. The man accused died in 2006. Her husband died in 83. The judge, the prosecutor, the jury, everybody is now dead. It kind of raises the questions of, will we ever officially get answers to what happened to Atelia? Or do we already know the answer and people are not talking? Because, you know, this is a small town. And the thing is about Atelia, she was always viewed as an outsider by the community. Even though she had been living in Jacksonville for like... After she left New York, she lived in Jacksonville for about 10 years, and then she moved to St. Augustine. So she'd been in Florida for almost 12 years at this point. Why is she an outsider? Small town mentality. Yeah, they still considered her a Yankee. 
But I, I do know one thing is for sure that somebody knows what happened in this case. I think a lot of people know what happened in this case. And so if you're listening to this case and you happen to know anything, maybe you got a deathbed confession from somebody. Maybe you bought somebody's old diary from those bookshops. Like, maybe we should tell people. Because this case may have been forgotten and lost to time. Um, but if we could bring her some peace in life after this, like, that would be great. And I will say, I'm going to do two more things before I wrap this up. Towards the end of my research, I found an article. Not an article, a blog. And it's written by FloridaWritersBlog.com. She has seven chapters written about this case. So I'm going to read it. I did not have time to read it during my research this past week. I'm going to read it. And if I have updated information, I'm going to bring it to you. And it'll probably be in 2023 in January. But I'm going to read you one of the statements from the book. Let me pull it up. Because it talks about um, kind of how St. Augustine was. The good old boys club. Yep. So basically it kind of talks about. So the writer of this blog. I'm trying to find it. Okay, so there is another book that's called Bloody Sunset, which I might read as well, and it's written about this case, um, and it's in the epilogue that authors Mast and Powell wrote. They said, the story of the grisly hacking death of Atelia Lindsay remains unfinished because those who know the truth have remained silent all these years. The one purpose of the book is to present all the known pieces to the puzzle in a fashion that would stimulate interest to help finding the missing pieces. The missing parts. When someone is murdered, the bonds between remaining family members are rendered, rendered splintered, and often familiar relationships can never be painted back together. Memories are tainted by horror. Atelia had no surviving children. Uh, her family was scattered, and yet she had to reach her professional prime despite the way the media characterized her as a washed-up showgirl. Didn't Atelia deserve to be remembered as the woman she was? And then they go on to say, A personal tragedy shaped my life. It occurred to me that a fact-based book written about Atelia's death would be a benefit in understanding how murder, how well all murderers evolved from a seemingly seamless pattern of prior events. So over a period of several months, I read through over a thousand pages of depositions, police reports, and evidence. I traveled to St. Augustine, Florida, Charleston, South Carolina, and Northampton, Massachusetts to pursue evidence, interviews, and background. And I believe I came to an understanding of how Atelia's murder happened and why it happened and what happened at around 6 p.m. on July or on January 23rd, 1974, on the front steps of 124th Marine Street. But I just thought it's super telling because kind of it was interesting because I was kind of wrapping mine up saying the same exact thing. Um that I feel like somebody knows what happened in this case. There's no way people don't know what happened. But I think a lot of people are being protected. And with that, I round out my case on uh, what I know now. I'm telling you, there's going to be an update on this case. I have been, yeah. Seven <clears throat> chapters. She said she read over a thousand hours of depositions. 
The inf- the answer is out there. And I'm going to find the answer. And I will bring it forward probably in January 2023 when I come back to update this one. But that is what I have for now. So I I love our telepathy that we had going on because segue into our new county. I cover the last remaining cold case of um, Nassau County. Oh, wow. And Fernandina Beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm excited to hear it. Our telepathy was on point. We're bringing, <laughs> bringing snow to, we're bringing ice to Florida. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, in that case, thank you for listening. Um, we'll eventually get on a real schedule. But for those who continue to listen to us every week, we do appreciate you guys. And we're going to remember it whenever we blow up. Yes. Because it's going to happen. And we then have a normal schedule. <laughs> yep. Uh, thank you and good night. Good night.